0: Fill out the form, come straight to us. You can also leave us a voice message if you want to leave your thoughts on audio, and it may be played on the air, who knows. Let's go ahead and get into our topic for today. Today, something very rare, something very unusual happened. I lost my cool. I snapped. I didn't yell, but I snapped. I lost my cool, and I'm not ashamed. Because here's the truth of the matter. There's a certain level. See, everybody, not everybody, but people talk about the, you know, forgive, forget, turn the other cheek, all these platitudes that don't really mean anything. And part of the problem is that certain other people, they won't let go. There's. This is going to sound strange, and some people won't like what I'm about to say. There's such a thing as right and wrong with certain aspects of life. If I tell you, as somebody who's done car maintenance, somebody who does car detailing, somebody who's bought a lot of cars, over years stemming back to the 90s, and I had this happen, and I'm going to a story with this, because it seems like it's a pattern, and it started a while ago. It's not recent development. But as somebody who is familiar with cars, if you weren't familiar with cars, you took your car into the mechanic. Your mechanic says, well, your car is not starting because somebody put something in the gas tank that shouldn't be there. And you say, no, that, that's not possible. That's That's not the right response. The reason it's not the right response is because you're talking to an expert. So what you should be doing is listening when the expert's telling you, this is why you're having a problem. Because the expert's trying to help you. The problem is that people start with denial. They start with resistance. They push back and they don't understand that what we're saying as experts in our craft is designed to help you, but you need to shut up and listen. And I'm saying that straight up. You got to shut up and listen when we're saying these things because it's designed to help you. If you don't listen, you won't get the help and you get frustrated because you're not accepting the help way back yonder. I want to say, I don't even know exactly how old I was. I know what car I had. So I can roughly estimate what must've been going on at the time. But there was a time, there's a girl, right? And this was a blind setup. I didn't meet her straight up. This actually, apparently she had either wandered in or whatever to one of my parents' churches, somehow developed bond with the parent and Parent tells me, yeah, just give her a call. She's had some rough time of it. She's been bad relationships in the home nine. Sure, I don't mind talking to whoever. I'll be a friend to whoever. If anybody needs a friend, no problem. Okay, so I give the person a call. This girl, and she seemed nice. She seemed pretty educated, calm, well-spoken, pretty. I had no issues or concerns, and she asked if, you know, if we can meet up. Sure, no problem. So she tells me where her address is. Okay, so I went there, and... It was later in the afternoon because I was out to work. And I remember at the time, I had the Olds Cutlass Supreme, black, really nice car. This would have been sometime either late 90s or early 2000s-ish. Okay, so I drive up there, get to the apartment complex, and she's on the phone out in front so I can find the unit because it's dark. I can't see. And I finally see her. If you know who Brandy Norwood is, the singer, she looked just like Brandy Norwood from the hair to the uh, overalls. Cause Brandy used to wear overalls when she was younger, just dead ringer face, everything, glasses, dead ringer. I thought it was her for a minute. Okay. So no problem. So meet up, start talking and everything. And this was a nightmare and maybe I'll tell that story at some point. It's not relevant for this conversation, but there's a time she's had a hard time, hard luck of it, bad relationship. She's trying to get back to work. She wants to be a, one of the stay home nurses, you know, working with people. And she needs a car. And at the time, I had a really good relationship and rapport with car dealers. It was easy for me to help make deals. And she asked me to help her get a car. No problem. As long as you're paying for it, I don't really care. So we go down. I take her down to the dealership. She has a dream car. And the dream car is a Mitsubishi Gallant. Very specific year. I want to say it was a 97 Mitsubishi Gallant. It's like her dream car. Okay, so I find one. We go to the dealership. I'll never forget this. It's on the National City of Cars, which I told the story of. We go in, we're sitting down. She's doing all the paperwork. I'm just there as the chauffeur, basically. Does all the work. And the dealer at one point says, okay, are you doing this by yourself or... Um, or do you have a co-signer like, you know, him? And is he going to join you on this app? And she says something to the effect of, no, I'm doing this myself. This is my, my boyfriend. I'm, you know, I'm kind of shocked. I don't know what the heck she's talking about. Cause we never talked about being in a relationship at all. That was a red flag. It's a different story for a different time. Suffice to say, she gets the car Okay, she, we drive back. And she calls me later. It's a day or so later. She calls me. Apparently, she's locked her keys in the car. No problem. I have AAA. I can get somebody out there to get in there. So I go out there, call AAA. They'll be here in a minute. And I'm explaining to her the process because she's never had a car. I've had multiple. And I've done maintenance. I know what they do. It's called a slim gym. It's a little thin metal deal. They jimmy it in between the window jam. And then they pull a hook, that's why it's got a little hook piece, they pull a hook and it pulls a latch and that unlocks the door because it's all, at the end of the day, physical. So I already know the process and I'm explaining this to her. And I'm telling her something to the effect of, won't take that long, because she's like, i got to get to work, I'm freaked out because i really got to get to work and I don't know how how long it's going to take. And I'm telling her it's not going to take that long. All they do is do this business and then it opens the door, you'll be in and out in a few minutes. And she doesn't believe me. She's not listening to me. So at that point, I'm pissed off, but sometimes the kid has to burn their finger to know fire hurts. Guy shows up, does exactly what I said, pulls the Slim Jim, open, must have taken him two minutes at most. So then I turn to her and I say, see, like I said, no big deal. That's all I said. She didn't say anything. She called me a little bit later and she said something to the effect of, I didn't appreciate you rubbing it in my face about that. Not understanding again, it's not about rubbing your face. You don't know cars. I do. I'm telling you it's easy. So I'm trying to allay your concerns about the car and you decided to fight me instead of saying this person is trying to help me. He's trying to explain this to me and he's trying to set my mind at ease. That was one of the red flags. There were many other red flags with that chick, but that was one of the red flags Fast forward, this is a pattern now with certain people, not everybody, but certain people where they don't seem to understand when somebody has experience in something that they lack. They won't just say, yep, I'm listening. I'm going to shut up and let you tell me what the deal is. So I was telling the story about the the car I'm trying to get. I'm not going to tell the car dealer how to do their job That because that's them. They need to guide it. It is what it is. Tell me what I need to do. And we'll make it happen. I've done that multiple times. I did that with this, with the property manager. I've done it with other past property managers. I did it when I did the mortgage up in Washington. If it's out of my element, I'm not going to be telling them what to do, but with my endeavors, we're talking about a platform that I have 20 years experience in. This is not chump change. I have 20 years experience with it to the point that even the vendor of the product has, because of turnover, I have more experience than many of them. And the ones that are still there, they all know me. They know me because I've seen them. I've talked to them. I've interacted. And every last one of them will attest, you if you can get him on board, you've got the best you can probably get because he knows the platform so dang well. So my first endeavor, right, and it's now starting to be both of them, but my first endeavor, there's a guy, and he has probably, I don't know, three years, four years to my 20 years. And the three, four years is only within the one company he's working at, which is very limited. It's a very poorly built solution. It's not using the platform to its utmost at all. So he even said straight to me, quote, I don't like change for the sake of change. Now here's the problem. When you have something that's poorly designed, what you should do is you should proactively work to fix it and do it right. Because there's no reason to leave a bad design in place. In his mind, He likes what he's comfortable with. And a lot of people are like this. That's because he's not having to support this. And he's not in alignment with the customer who has actively said, I don't like what we have and I want to change it. So right there, you got to disconnect. Your customer's telling us they want to change it. You have somebody here as in me who has way more experience than all of you put together times five. So at some point, I need you to basically shut up and listen when I tell you this is bad design. It needs to change. This is why this broke. And you should say, okay, I'm going to listen. Tell me what I need to do in order to be successful with this platform because there's clearly stuff I didn't know. Because what happens is we'll get a ticket out of the clear blue, and now I'm kind of in front of it, owning it, quote unquote. And I'll do research, root cause analysis. I'll determine something this guy built like a year or two ago is just now coming to surface as a problem. He'll say, Well, it was working fine for deep, deep, deep. The thing is, it wasn't working. He just overlooked the severity of the problem and he just fixed it. That's not a good design because for him, that's job retention, right? Oh, it keeps me employed. That's not what we should be doing. We should be focusing on clean designs and not being satisfied when things break. He had the nerve to tell me today, well, this has never had a problem. Despite the fact that he triggered a priority one, called in the director and multiple other people and then embarrassed himself in a group when I got called in when I didn't want to, but I had to because I was the only one who could solve it. They had both vendors, because there's two vendors, on the phone. Neither vendor could figure out what was wrong. I was the one who figured out the root cause of the problem, and it ultimately was him because I had talked to him about it three weeks prior to the issue, and I told him this is going to be a problem if we don't change it, and at the time, he had said, quote, I don't have time to deal with this right now. Okay, marinate in the cut, let him burn his finger to know that fire hurts. I don't like having to do that, but there are certain people who seem to not be able to get it in their head when they're out of their element and somebody's trying to help them and they want to fight it. So then yesterday, something happens over the weekend. Nobody knows what because we don't work on the weekends. Today, because of something he built for himself that gives him some warm and fuzzy, even though it's a waste, I didn't get the email I expected, there's probably a problem. Turns out there wasn't really an issue that had anything to do with the email. The email was misleading for him for months. I have to, and now he's, I'm ignoring him at first. Then he reaches out. What happened here? And I'm telling him, your email's misleading. Ultimately, everything processed today. He doesn't believe me. So he goes and looks, okay, it looks like everything processed today. Why didn't it run yesterday? It's supposed to run once a day. And now I've got to waste time explaining to him that unfortunately something happened. I don't know what I asked upstream to research it, but it doesn't matter because what we needed to process did process today. So as long as the data got processed, I don't really care. My point is your notification is crap because it's not telling you the truth and you've been relying on bad data. That's faulty because in your mind, everything's fine, but you're going off of faulty data. That's flawed and you're not listening. Turns out the server, they built this thing to run on a schedule. And people were not thinking about the schedule in comparison to patch schedules. So when servers or computers get patches, just like your computer, they tend to want to reboot because Windows likes to restart after it does patching. What you should do is build any software, if it's going to run a schedule process, to not be disrupted by patching. Make sure that any jobs that you do are properly thought of to make sure when your patch schedule is going to be and that you're not doing any jobs during the patch schedule because this idiot doesn't know what he's doing and doesn't think it through. He didn't realize this job has failed multiple times and didn't realize why in his mind, something's wrong with the software when the truth is the way he asked for the schedule was flawed because it didn't consider patch reboots. So I put an update the ticket and was pretty clear this got disrupted, it ran anyway, but at the end of the day, this is a broken design. The notifications are flawed. They don't tell you what you need to know because you can't know when the server's restarted because they didn't think to add any notifications to tell them about the server uptime. And if it sounds like I'm overly technical, I apologize, I try to simplify it down. If you do know technology or are somewhat aware of technology, you're probably shaking your head and possibly face palming. and I celebrate and appreciate you if you do because that's how stupid simple it really is. Somebody who does software development understands what it is that I'm describing. So as I try to break this down, not really wanting to, because it's a waste of my time, but trying to help this person understand that the notifications are a waste of time, because number one, everything ran. So the notifications were misleading. Number two, this issue happened with the server. He goes back and says, oh, it's never had a problem. And that's when I had to snap off on him. Because he knows full well that this has had an issue multiple times. Now he gets into CYA mode. Now he's defensive. Now he realizes, oh, crap, I have messed this up. I was causing this issue. Leicester's called me out. Now what do I do? Because I'm exposed. Because basically this guy was exposed because I'm now in front of it. Fortunately, I already knew it was a bad design going in there. What I didn't want to have to do is explain to this guy because he's not going to do what he needs to do, which is, okay, Marcus, you have 20 years experience in this. I only have three. Tell me what I did wrong and help me do better because I want to be a, I want to be a better developer here. That's not what he does. Instead, he gets defensive and assumes it's something somebody else did when the truth is, no, you screwed up and you built this probably a year ago. You forgot what you built and you didn't document any of this. So in your mind, everything's clean because you were relying on a notification that was lying to you. And at no point did you question your own competency when you built this as a result, when something goes wrong, you blame everything else and everybody else instead of yourself. That's what happened. So you telling me that nothing has ever failed, you know is a lie, we have evidence of this. Thank the beauty that is outlook. We have history of multiple failures. He then would likely come back. I didn't go this route, but he likely would come back and say, well, but that was a different issue. That was a different issue. Because he doesn't understand the broad problem. The broad problem is this is a poorly built solution. This is, it's not built right. As a result, it gives him false positives in his emails. As a result, he can't remember that it's a bad design because he's too busy reacting. I expect my email once a day. Very linear, very rigid, very tunnel vision, and not thinking about the big picture, which is, I wouldn't need the emails if I built it right to where it never fails in the first place. That's not how he thinks. As a result, the client is constantly frustrated with him because The client wants us to move forward. The client wants us to give a better solution. The client is not satisfied with what we have. So I did snap off on him, and then he stopped responding, which is what I was thankful for. I was thankful that he would leave me the heck alone because I was going to have to snap off on him. I don't like to do that. I don't like to snap off. I need people to recognize superior experience in a subject matter. If it's something in your realm, I'm not going to question you. Do not question me. He just does that because, quote, I don't like change for the sake of change you're not compatible with the client. And if you're not compatible with the client, you're not compatible with me, and that's not going to work. So what's the moral of this story? The moral of the story is not about bragging. The moral of the story is when you're confronted with somebody who has experience that you lack, period, that person is likely trying to help you in something that they're questioning or challenging or calling out for you. What you shouldn't do is then fight them, push back against them, resist them. Instead, you should listen and let them tell you what it is they're trying to tell you. And if it's something you got wrong, you screwed up, accept it, own it. That's how we grow. That's how we get better. That's how we learn. That's how we develop. I was there. Certainly when I was going through customer service, it took me a while, but I had to basically shut up and take it until I got to be that expert. And then I can call the shots and I expect everybody else around me to recognize what I'm saying. It's not about bragging. It's about trying to help and people not accepting that help because they're too busy doing CYA saying that they could do no wrong. So for me anyway, I was really glad that he left me alone because I know where I would have gone. Probably would have got the point of swearing if he kept on going. And I don't ever like to do that. And so I've been working to try to get him off of these emails so that he can't react. He'll freak out about the fact he's down the emails, but it has to happen because he's not on the same page. And I'll force it. I'll force the issue. And at some point when he, if he decides to come around and say, all right, I'm going to shut up and I'm going to listen. You tell me what we need to do to move forward. And I'm willing to learn what I don't know. Cause you clearly know this more than I do because it's been stable ever since and you've not needed my help. So obviously you know what the hell you're doing. If he ever gets to that point, I'm happy to welcome him into the fold and teach him something. I don't know if any of the various people that I've mentored over the years are listening to this today. I doubt it. But if, I, if you are, you, you know me. You know that at no point did I ever ask anything. I like to mentor people. I like people to grow and in some cases surpass me. That's what I like to have happen. And I consider myself very good at it, but it takes that open mind to just shut up and accept that feedback. I'm going to tell you what I see. You can accept it or you can reject it. If you reject it, that's on you. Don't get all pissy. When something doesn't go your way, because I tried to warn you, it's not about nina, nina, doop, doop, do. It is. You've got to understand when you don't have that experience, just simply back down and say, I'm here to listen. Shut up and listen. Many of us have had to go through that at some point in the past where we were not the expert. And we had to shut up and listen. It's the best way to grow and develop. It's the reason I communicate so well now. Because I had to ultimately shut up and listen to the one person who was guiding my communication style and giving me the feedback and telling me where I was going wrong. And the fact that I wasn't thinking before I spoke. Now I can speak pretty normal now, but certainly back then, yeah, my mouth was a little bit too open and I had to refine it. I had to get better at it. That's why I worked so hard to stop swearing because I realized it's not necessary in communication style. Same thing. But I had to listen to somebody telling me what I was doing wrong and not just fight them because I got defensive. It was not going to be a thing. That doesn't mean that I don't get defensive about certain things. I probably shouldn't. But I work hard not to when I'm not the resident expert in the room. So, for example, buying this car, there are times I will challenge when it's a stupid process. The one that failed, and I got my money back, by the way. But the one that failed, yes, I was chewing them out left and right because it was stupid. Then I escalated to BBB and I chewed her out because it was stupid. At the end of the day, though, the one that appears to have worked because the car is done, signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. That one, I gave him nothing but praise because it was a very speedy, very efficient process. I gave him feedback, recommendations from a because I'm a web developer as well. And he said, yes, we probably should tweak that. That's probably a great idea. And I like these suggestions. And we're going to have him on casual talk radio. That's my spoiler alert. Once this process is done and I got the car in there, I plan to have him on casual talk radio to just talk to him and introduce his product to the world. He's not paying me for any of it. I was so impressed, at least with his side of the process. I want to get the car here, make sure it's all like it's promised. Everything's good. I don't have any issues. As long as that's the case, I'd like to have him tell his story because it was a great example. The polar opposite of my frustration. He is an expert in his craft to a degree. He ultimately knows what he knows. Great. I'll listen up that point And then I have certain things I can offer to him. And he's open to that feedback. And that's how progress is made on two sides. That's how we grow and develop as people. At as business partners and business owners. So that's my moral and my call to action. Be thinking about those times when you are not the resident expert in the room and whether you push back and it doesn't make sense for you to be pushing back. Are you fighting just for the sake of it and it's the default response? Instead of just listening, listening and absorb it so you can get better and have ultimately become the expert in the room at some point, someday. And then to give a great example of that two-way feedback and how we can have better communicate, when somebody is an expert in their craft, having that gentleman come on the show and tell the tell the story about his service, but also talk about the, the different feedback and the experience, my experience, what I liked, what I didn't like, and hearing what he has to say and then seeing two-way communication, I think you'll get a sense of where I'm going and how it's so much dramatically different and the fact that I'm pretty dang fair, I think, and he is pretty dang fair, and that's how we all should be and we're not. There's too many people who just fight and they resist and they push back and they, they don't want to get better at whatever it is that they suck at. And that's unfortunate because it means we're not moving forward. And then what do we have to do? We have to end up pushing those people out of the way to get different people in there. we more open-minded that's not the way we should be. We should be flexible and willing malleable, right? Willing to be like putty that we can be molded into what the businesses that we work on or the, whatever programs need. We should be able to mold into what is needed to be done, not just resist it because we refuse to push ourselves. Pushing yourself is the key. It's the key to everything, always has been, always will be. And I maintain that that's what's lacking here today in society is a desire to mold yourself into what somebody else needs And instead, you fight it simply for whatever reason. I don't know if that's racism. I don't know if it's sexism. I don't know if it's ageism. I don't know. My point is, if you're going to keep on doing that, you got to really self-reflect and figure out why are you really resisting? Challenge yourself and ask the question, why are you resisting? And chances are, you'll find there's some sort of unconscious bias driving it that's likely irrational. And it just embarrasses you if you can't switch that off and just learn to roll with what's in front of you, as opposed to being a barrier for that rock. That's all we've got here today on Casual Talk Radio, Gentleman's World. Hopefully it's been informational, educational, and helpful for you. We upload every Monday and Wednesday, so we'll be back for our next episode. Whether you're a subscriber or not, we appreciate you for dialing in today. We know you've got choices. We will be turning back on our guest cadence. We are doing the screening process that's coming very soon. Keep up to date with what we're doing at CasualTalkRadio.net. You can also subscribe at the bottom to get alerts whenever there's a new episode posted or you can add it to your platform of choice. For now, take care and I will see you on our next upload.